Class is back in session. I'm your host, Coach Dwayne, just a regular teacher with a sports mind. Here to talk to you guys today about a whole lot. It's one of my favorite times on the sports calendar. Baseball's about to start. NBA's getting ready to go into the playoffs. You got March Madness, uh, NFL offseason. Lots and lots and lots to talk about um, in a in a kind of jam-packed um, episode. Uh, but that's all right. I'm going to try and get as much in as I can. But, you know, why is there a teacher doing a sports podcast? Well, quite frankly, it's because sometimes I just question my abilities as a teacher when I see the answers that my students give. Um, I gave them a reading, for example, of new technologies in World War One. Technologies used for the first time in World War One. Um, I asked them to list them on a quiz, and I had several students put spaceships, uh, that spaceships were used in World War One, um, which, as you should know, is, is very much wrong and incorrect. Um, so clearly, I'm doing something wrong as a teacher, so I thought maybe I'll start this sports podcast, see what happens. Um, Alright, so like I said, a lot to talk about. Let's jump right into these grades. I got a, a MLB preview lesson today. Who's going to win what? Where to put your money down? Uh, although this is not uh, 100% money back guaranteed. N n don't listen to me here. Although I did tell y'all the Braves were going to win the World Series. So there's that. And that is just your podcast reminder that the Atlanta Braves are your defending World Series champions. All right, but let's start off with these grades. We're talking about Atlanta. I, I, I make jokes. I talk about Atlanta all the time. But Atlanta sports, I'm going to give an A. And it pains me at the same time. Two of Atlanta's, the last two MVPs of Atlanta sports franchises, both will be playing next year in new teams, both be playing in blue, ironically. One is former Atlanta Braves first baseman Freddie Freeman, who will be playing first base for the Los Angeles Dodgers this upcoming year. And then the second is Atlanta Falcons, longtime quarterback, probably greatest Falcon um, as far as him playing for the Falcons. Now, the greatest player that ever played for the Falcons is probably Deion Sanders. But as far as just playing Falcons and, and what he did for the franchise, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan will be playing quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts this upcoming season. But the reason I give Atlanta sports an A is because they didn't they didn't back themselves into a corner. Once Tom Brady came, we'll start with Matt Ryan. It's the most recent. Once Tom Brady came back, the Falcons were not going to win the division. They weren't going to the playoffs. They And even with Tom Brady gone, once they got to the playoffs, there was a question of how far uh, into the playoffs they could have could have gone. Uh, but once Brady came back and, and the Bucks started re-signing individuals, it was no longer Atlanta's division to win. Matt Ryan had a, a very large cap hit. Um, he had an even larger cap hit next year. So a decision had to be made. Atlanta ends up trading him to Indianapolis for a third round pick 
taking a very, very large dead money hit. However, what this does is Atlanta can now, the Falcons can now embrace the tank for this year. Now, they do sign a very good stopgap quarterback in Marcus Mariota, who I think still has upside potential, played well in flashes, looked decent with Tennessee before they made the switch to Ryan Tannehill, is experienced with Arthur Smith. I think Mariota can be a good bridge stopgap quarterback into somebody newer, into a rookie quarterback. I would not necessarily take a quarterback at eight. Now, if Atlanta were to trade down, accumulate multiple picks, and was able to get a quarterback... Uh, with either some of those picks that they acquire by trading down from eight or with one of the two second round picks that they get, maybe if a Sam Howell, um, I, I'm not in love with Carson Strong, but but a guy like that falls into the second round, um, a Desmond Ritter, uh, if they're able to get one of those guys in round two, if they're not able to trade down from eight, then I'm all right with that. I would like to see what Mariota can do, but I think you embrace that this year the Falcons are not going to be good. However, 2023, Atlanta will have over $120 million in cap space. You take the dead hit now so that you don't have to pay Matt Ryan an even larger cap amount next year, which I believe would have been around almost $50 million, um, so that you can, you, you can embrace, you can get a higher draft pick and start trying to rebuild this. I personally don't believe that Atlanta is done. I think Grady Jarrett may be the next one to go. He's playing on the last year of his deal. If you can get a first to second round pick for Grady Jarrett for a team uh, that needs a, a, a nose guard, um, even a, he, he did decent as a 3-4 defensive end, big guy, pretty good speed for a guy his size. I think you could see a Grady Jarrett trade coming, more draft picks coming back to Atlanta. Uh, I think Deion Jones could even go. I think anybody on this, nobody on this roster is safe with the exception of AJ Terrell. I do like the signings that Atlanta made. Um, bringing back Cordero Patterson, I think, was big. Signing Casey Hayward to play next to AJ Terrell, I do believe, is big. Some of the young guys, I think, are going to make their next steps. Isaiah Oliver was playing great uh, in the slot. Uh, I, I talked about Isaiah Oliver and, and the Falcons potentially bringing him back when I, Marlon in the comments, who's winning the AFC West this year? Uh, I haven't gotten my, I, I'm going to wait for the draft, um, see where everybody falls. There's still some big name free agents out there before I do my NFL preview. Uh, Marlon just wants me to pick the Chargers. If you follow me on Twitter, I, I've loved the Chargers offseason, but this is this is not that conversation. The Falcons embrace the tank. Calvin Ridley's not going to be back. See what you got in some of these younger guys. Use your $120 million in cap space next year when, again, maybe Brady retires for real. Um, and try to rebuild. Atlanta needs to rebuild. They've been pushing back that rebuild. A lot of Falcons fans didn't like the Matt Ryan move. I loved Matt Ryan. I do not like the way Atlanta went about it. I think there was a better way to go about it. But I do understand the move, freeing up this cap space in 2023, embracing the rebuild. Terry Fontenot saw what happened when they kept pushing back Drew Brees and pushing back Drew Brees and pushing back Drew Brees in New Orleans. Something had to be done. Atlanta doesn't paint, the Falcons do not paint themselves into a corner here. I love the move for the Falcons in that move. Again, this was Atlanta sports in general. The Braves. Letting go of Freddie Freeman. Again, loved Freddie Freeman. If you follow me on Twitter, I was bring back Freddie Freeman, bring back Freddie Freeman, bring back Freddie Freeman. 
The Braves offered Freddie Freeman a deal that was worth the same annual amount as what the Dodgers gave him. The six year was a big deal. Uh, he ends up taking the deal with the Dodgers. I do believe that Freddie Freeman's agent overplayed his hand. But that's neither here nor there. I understand that Freddie Freeman was a locker room guy, big name player. He he ends up going to a, a rival team. I understand all that. Matt Olson, if you look at the stats, puts up very similar stats offensively and also defensively that Freddie Freeman does. He's able to come in at a lower annual rate, which allowed Atlanta to go and re-sign Eddie Rosario, which is a big deal because Ronald Acuna looking at he's pushing for two weeks into the season to come back probably gonna have to dh right there at the beginning to to alleviate some of that pressure on, on his knee um but being able to bring back eddie rosario and then still continuing to use money that he saved by getting matt olsen over freddie freeman to go get a kenley jansen to add to an already dominant bullpen we'll talk more about that uh later on in the show and Colin McHugh, who can be a, if you have to go to a bullpen day, uh, if you don't have a starter lined up, you got a bunch of games in a row, it looks like the games are going to be condensed, schedule is going to be condensed due to the lockout. Colin McHugh can start that bullpen day and he can give you multiple innings. He can even be a starter, um, but big, hard-throwing cat. Uh, I love that signing. I love what Atlanta Sports did. Again, you want to keep these guys there. However, you don't want to do it at the and hurt the future of your franchise. Keeping Matt Ryan was not going to help Atlanta going forward, especially with Ridley uh, on a one-year suspension, which we will talk about that again as well at the end of the episode in Marlon, if he's still in the comments, his favorite um, segment, You Got Detention. But Ridley's going to be out all year. Brady coming back. Atlanta's not going anywhere. You would take the dead penalty now so that you free up the space next year, and that's when you look to compete. I love what the Falcons did. I love what the Braves did. Uh, the Hawks are still in the running to be in the playoffs. Seems like they're getting their groove together. Now they're going to be in that play-in game. I, I don't necessarily like that. I feel like Atlanta Hawks have underachieved yet to push their way into the playoffs where they were. Atlanta Sports doing a great thing. That could just be homer picks on my end because I am at Atlanta Sports um, fan. However, understanding why the Matt Ryan move was made versus just hanging on to the emotion and then understanding what Alex Anthropolis was able to do by letting Freddie Freeman go, getting a guy who put up similar numbers, who's six years younger, who's right in the middle of his prime, and who you can assume numbers are only going to go up. Um, great moves by both teams, despite having to let go again of Atlanta's last two MVPs. Atlanta sports, they get an A. You know, once I removed emotion from the whole thing, I completely understand it. It's a great move by these franchises. Atlanta looking to repeat. Um, the Falcons looking to rebuild. The B goes to March Madness. March Madness gets an absolute B. Um, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Again, it's one of my favorite times of the year. My brackets are busted. Um, but the March Madness gets a B. The only reason it doesn't get an A is because I had talked about this in earlier episodes. College basketball seems to be going downhill in the regular season. Um, they still have the greatest postseason 
I think that there is uh, maybe outside the Super Bowl, but I'm talking about all in all postseason. Everyone's filling out brackets, picking teams that they know nothing about. Um, I watched men's college basketball. I had just talked about how I felt like there had been a decline in the popularity of men's college basketball as a whole. But the reason, and that's why it gets a B versus the A that Atlanta sports got, they could have been flip-flopped. Again, if you put emotion back into it, maybe Atlanta sports doesn't get an A, it gets a B, and March Madness is able to move up. But the reason I love the bracket this year is a combination of upsets, but you still got your blue bloods. It's not all your blue bloods are not in it. Not all of your Cinderella stories aren't already out. Um, the fighting peacocks of St. Peter's, who are not even verified on Twitter, they are still in it. They will face North Carolina tomorrow night. Again, Cinderella versus Blue Blood. You got Cinderella also tomorrow night. You got Cin- Miami going on a Cinderella run. If I had told you that Miami basketball was going to make a greater impact for their athletic program than the football team, uh, you could have slapped me in my face and it would have been completely justified. However, the Miami Hurricanes are in the Elite Eight and they will be facing Kansas, who shockingly has gotten this far. Bill Self has managed to get out of his own way uh, and his Jayhawks are moving forward. You go into these other, you go into the uh, upper parts of the bracket. You got Houston, you got Villanova tonight. Now, I put it out on Twitter. If you don't believe me, go look it up. ATL fan underscore NNC. I had Houston winning the whole thing. Kelvin Sampson, great coach. Houston plays phenomenal defense. They play great team basketball, run great sets, and March is about being hot at the right time, and Houston is hot, hot. Uh, they go up against Jay Wright, one of the best coaches in college basketball. When Shashevsky, uh is done, whenever Duke is eliminated, we'll talk about that matchup coming up. Whenever Duke is out of it, uh, one could argue that Jay Wright will then be the best coach in college basketball. I like Houston. I think they're hot. You, they have multiple guys that can lead their team in scoring. They run great sets. They play great defense. I think Villanova is in trouble. I think Houston goes to the final four. Uh, I think Kansas uh, ends up beating Miami. That, that ends their Cinderella run. I think North Carolina and St. St. Peter's. Now, I, I want to say, I've talked about this. I've talked about North Carolina. Uh, they have one of the two most frustrating players to watch in basketball and Armando Baycott. I feel like Baycott should dominate. However, I feel like Kentucky had bigs that should dominate and they did it. St. Peter's, another team that offensively, now I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I've watched St. Peter's basketball outside of March, but in the games of St. Peter's that I have watched, their offensive sets are crisp. They swing the ball back and forth. They force you to play defense. And I think that affects these other teams on the offensive side of the ball. When you have to play a whole possession of defense and you're the ball is swinging back and forth and back and forth because the ball moves faster than the man. This team, fun to watch. However, I'm not picking St. Peter's to go to the Final Four. I would love for St. Peter's to go to the Final Four and see just this continuous Cinderella run um, that would be even greater than that of George Mason when George Mason made their run to the Final Four. But I just think Carolina, another one of those teams hot at the right time. Uh, I think that loss to Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament kind of relit that fire in them. They had beaten Duke. They thought they were untouchable, get knocked out by Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament, and now I think they're relocked in, they're refocused. Give me Carolina in the Final Four. That brings us to the fourth matchup of the Elite Eight. It's Arkansas, the fighting Eric Musselmans, who just knocked out Gonzaga, and Duke. 
Uh, Coach K's last dance, his final run. Duke has been tested in every matchup of this tournament. They were tested by Cal State Fullerton. They pull away late. Tested by Michigan State. Tested by Texas Tech. Losing for a portion of that game. Now they face Arkansas. Now, I do not believe that Arkansas is going to be able to beat Duke. Part of this is because I would love to see Duke, North Carolina, Coach K's final season in the Final Four. Would love to see it. Cheering for it. If you are a basketball fan that is not a fan of St. Peter's or Arkansas, I feel like you also should be cheering for probably one of the greatest rivalries in sports. Definitely the greatest rivalry in college basketball to take place on the biggest stage of them all down in New Orleans. Um, I think... Banchero is going to take this game over. I think Coach K has his fingers on the pulse of this team. He's got them clicking at the right time. He's moved some guys, shuffled some guys in and out of his starting lineup. Duke's playing some of their best basketball. We saw Duke play some of their worst basketball when they, uh, at Cameron Indoor against Carolina for what we thought could potentially be the last time that these two major rivals would face off. I think Arkansas is a great story. I don't think Gonzaga is as good as everybody thought they were. I think Arkansas is going to be feeling themselves after coming off of that Gonzaga win. And I think they may be overlooking this Duke team. Give me Duke, Carolina, Houston, Kansas. Final four. All right. Those are my final four teams. And I've already told you I had Houston winning the whole thing. And if it happens, I'm telling you, you can go check my Twitter. I called it. I called it. I called it. So March Madness gets a B. Uh, again, lots of upsets, lots of blue blood still in it. The C on this episode goes to Dave Roberts. Look, he's not a bad coach, okay? He's got a great roster. And I've, I've, I've consistently said that I feel like baseball is a sport where the manager may have the least impact on the game. I think there's things you can do in basketball that have an impact on the game. There are things you can do in football as a coach that have an impact on the game. Baseball, one of the few things that I thought you could do as a manager was move your defense around as far as the shift goes. That's been banned. I think managers are just kind of there now. Can they make the right moves out of the bullpen? Maybe that's it. Dave Roberts guarantees a World Series for the Houston Dodgers. I love the confidence. I love the confidence. Don't get me wrong. I think as a coach, you should exude that confidence. You should have, you should be very, very confident whenever you're going into a season, especially when you have the team that Dave Roberts has. All right. So I get it. I understand you want to be confident. However, the last time your team was on the field, you were having some trouble with the night shift. My Atlanta Braves, the defending World Series champions. I feel like they have something to say about that. I think Atlanta has a better rotation. I think Atlanta definitely has a better bullpen. And if the Dodgers have the best lineup in baseball, Atlanta has the second best lineup in baseball. Uh, especially when you consider that the National League MVP will be coming back and, and will be added this year's National League MVP, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., will be added to a team that brings back a whole lot from last year's team, plus some. You know, you add Ronald back, 
you're gonna you're hoping Soroka comes back if he can be a part a portion of himself, uh, even just as a, from a leadership standpoint. Um, you know, Atlanta's Charlie Morton comes back. Who? I, I mean, the dude. What do you say about Charlie Morton other than he got all those outs on a broken leg? I mean, it's a big deal. Again, I give Dave Roberts a C because I love the confidence. I I wish that I was bold enough to come out in any of the teams that I coach and be like, "Yep, this is our year. We're winning the championship." Not that bold. Not that bold. I'm not. Although, my basketball team returns all five starters next year. I was a very young team this year. Watch out. But uh, I'm not ready to guarantee a championship. Um, I don't think Dave Roberts is in any position to guarantee a World Series. I think he may be overplaying his role as the manager of the Dodgers. When you have that team, you should win games. Period. So Dave Roberts gets a C. It's just kind of meh. Like I understand what you're trying to do, um, but at the same time, you're giving bulletin board, bulletin board material to these other guys. If you remember correctly, the Dodgers did not win their division. The Giants gave the Dodgers a run for their money with a much worse lineup. So let's not let's not act like the Dodgers just ran away with things and they just ran into a really hot Atlanta Braves baseball team. No, Atlanta had played. Excellent baseball the second half of the season, which had gotten them to where they were. And the Giants, with like Chris Bryant at the end, and who else? So, guaranteeing a World Series is a little much. It's, it's a little above. Thanks for the bulletin board material. I'm sure Atlanta needed something else to motivate them to, again, win their second consecutive World Series calling it right now we'll talk more about that later on the d grade for this episode of sports school goes and now it's time to talk a little nba goes to the los angeles lakers the reason they get a d is because technically they're still in the playoffs right now still in the playoffs right now but they're the 10 seed you got lebron james anthony davis and Russell Westbrook, you should not be the 10 seed. You should not be the 10 seed. You, you just shouldn't be. Now, Anthony Davis barely plays basketball. Ever since they won their championship, he's just like decides when he wants to play and when he doesn't. Um, but you still got Bron. You got a very old LeBron, but a LeBron that could arguably be in the MVP conversation if the Lakers' record wasn't so bad. Hindsight is always 2020. I think the Lakers chased the big name versus going with team fit and getting Buddy Heald in the offseason may have been the better move to make than going out and getting Russell Westbrook because the problem the Lakers have had offseason is outside shooting. Maybe outside of Malik Monk. So, there's, now, I will say this, if the Lakers make the playoffs and Anthony Davis is back, I don't think anybody wants to play a team that has LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. Nobody wants to play that team. 
But the other reason that the Lakers get a D grade is because let's look at some of the teams in front of them. The New Orleans Pelicans are currently the nine seed. The Pelicans don't have Anthony Davis. Or, I'm sorry. The Pelicans, well, they know they don't have Anthony Davis anymore. But they also don't have Zion. Zion has not played the majority of the season. Yet, Pelicans, better record than the, actually, same record as the Lakers, but have the tiebreaker. The Clippers, who I have consistently said this, have played the majority of their season without both of their big stars. No Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard. But it has been rumored that those two could come back should the Clippers make a playoff run. I don't think anybody wants to play the Clippers if that is the case. If those two are able to come back with the way that that team is just staying afloat. But the Clippers have no business being five games better than the Lakers. Clippers, right now, if you had told me preseason, look, Kawhi's going to miss the whole season and Paul George is going to miss the majority of the season and the Clippers will be the best team in L.A., I would have told you you were nuts. But it's true. The Timberwolves are finally playing to their potential, so so we give them credit. Um, the Nuggets have Jokic, who should be, in the MVP, be talked more in the MVP conversation. The Mavericks got rid of KCP. It's really just the Luka show there. Like, just Luka should not be better than the Lakers. The Memphis Grizzlies are the two seed, by the way. I would just like to point that out. John Morant is that dude. But you look at those two rosters. Look at those two rosters. The Lakers should be better than the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, how much of that do you blame LeBron James? Is it LeBron trying to formulate a roster and, and, and piece and, and play GM that has affected the Lakers? Is it Frank Vogel? Is it a combination of egos and just guys not able to come together and not playing well together? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what exactly the problem is. But the Lakers have an issue. Now, again, nobody wants to play a combination of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook in the playoffs. In a seven-game series... You know, it's a different beast. It's a different beast. But the Lakers also should not in any way be in this position. And that is why the Lakers get a D. Because they should be one of the top seeds in the West. I'm not saying they should be number one, but I'm definitely saying they should be playing better than they are. Now, I said when the move was made, I think Buddy Heald was a better fit. I do like Russell Westbrook. I've constantly said favorite non-Atlanta Hawk player. But Westbrook should have been coming off the bench. And Westbrook should have been leading that second unit. And Westbrook should have been allowed to do Russell Westbrook things. Westbrook should have been allowed to play Russell Westbrook basketball with the second unit. You should have, you should have kept Rondo and let Rondo run the point. A distributor, get LeBron, get AD involved. When one of those guys comes off the floor, you put Russ in and you let Russ do Russ Westbrook things. You let Russell come in and run things when LeBron's off the floor. Or if you take Anthony Davis off the floor, then you put LeBron in the post and you let Russell do Russell Westbrook stuff. Distribute, rebound, shoot. He's going to shoot the ball. The problem is, is when the three play together. When all three are on the floor at the same time, it does not go well. Because I don't think that 
the rest of that team, I don't think LeBron and Anthony Davis like Russell Westbrook style basketball. But again, if he's running the second unit, then he can be Russell Westbrook. That's all Russell Westbrook knows is the way that he's played his entire career. He's not going to change. But putting him with that second unit makes it the way he doesn't have to change, where he can come in and he can just be the spark plug. He can be the guy. And that gives LeBron time to rest. Because LeBron's not no spring chicken. Although it's impressive the number he's putting up, the numbers he are he is putting up at his age. Now the F. The F for this episode. And it's not because of the moves that this team has made. But I'm giving an F to the Miami Dolphins. I'm giving an F to the Miami Dolphins. I love the Tyree Kill trade. I think combining Tyree Kill with Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller makes your team very difficult to stop. That is a whole lot of speed that you're putting on the field. It's going to be every Madden player's dream. Madden players are going to love playing with the Dolphins. Just speed on top of speed on top of speed. But even in real life, it's hard to guard speed. Jalen Waddle, speed. Tyreek Hill, speed. Will Fuller, speed. Shoot, Raheem Mostert, speed. If he can stay healthy. But they brought in another running back in Chase Edmonds who can certainly fill that void if Mostert can stay healthy. Now Edmonds, coming off injuries last season. I love the moves the Dolphins made. Don't get me wrong. That's not why Miami gets an F. Miami does not get an F because of my cat, Fluffy, wants to be on the show. Miami doesn't get an F because of the moves that they made. Miami gets an F because imagine if you made these moves and you weren't going into a season with a first-year head coach, a first-year, first-time head coach. If you had a, a coach who had gotten this team wins with lesser talent and you went and you got the talent that you got and you gave that coach that talent a guy who had put in a instituted a culture and that players seemed to like playing for a guy that was four and two against who everyone says is the best coach in nfl history one of them in belichick a guy who pushed the Buffalo Bills. Imagine if you gave him the players that you're now giving a first-year head coach. I've been very vocal on the Brian Flores firing. I've had guests on to talk about the Brian Flores firing. It's... It, if you had Brian Flores, who's proven to be a winner with much less talent than what you just brought in. I think you could be saying that the Dolphins could potentially win this division. But I've never seen this head coach before. I've seen him in an offensive coordinator role. But I think now you got Tua learning a new offense. Who, mind you... Hasn't been that great. Hasn't been that great in his years in the NFL thus far. But now, 
He's got to learn a new offense. And he's got all these weapons that are really, really great deep threats. But he sh what is what is Tua struggle at? It's throwing the ball down the field. Now, the difference, and this is the move that Miami, I think, should have made that they had it. Miami should have went out and got Ryan Fitzpatrick back to, to back up Tua. They didn't. They went and got Bridgewater. But Bridgewater has the same problem that Tua does, and it's pushing the ball downfield. Now, Bridgewater's isn't because he can't. It's because Bridgewater is like the safest quarterback I've ever seen play. He is not going to turn the ball over. But Miami gets the F because I think... <laughs> and there was the rumor that they were in on trying to trade for Brady. Let me just put that out there. Flores wanted a quarterback, needed a quarterback, winning games without a quarterback, and now all of a sudden Flores is gone and you're in on trying to trade for Brady? Now, Tampa Bay has said that that is, that is false and that's never going to happen. And Miami, of course, is saying the same thing. We, we support Tua Tagovailoa, which you have to say if you're the Dolphins. But it's just really convenient that you never provide Brian Flores with the type of talent that you are giving him now. You, you've never provided Brian Flores with the type of talent that, you have, that you've brought in. And yet you fired Brian Flores for being one game away from the playoffs. So my question is this. If you fired Brian Flores without the talent that Miami has now for missing the playoffs... Does this current head coach get fired with the better talent if he misses the playoffs? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, with this, with a new head coach, new regime, first year under that, implementing new systems, implementing a new culture, Miami finishes third in that division. They're going to finish behind Buffalo, and they're going to finish behind New England. And I think they're going to have a worse record than they did last year. So does he get fired? Because if that's what it was about, then he should get fired. Brian Flores' first year there, he won games with a when they were trying to lose every single game that there was. They traded every competent football player that they had. So I I don't see it. Coach Smith in the comments, their coach is from the Shanty School. I I, under, I understand that he came from San Francisco. But Debo Samuel is not on that team. Jalen Waddle's not lining up in the backfield. Tyreek Hill's not lining up in the backfield. Will Fuller has injury issues. He's definitely not lining up in the backfield. Raheem Mostert has injury issues. Tua can't throw the ball down the field. Jimmy Garoppolo who, if he stays in San Francisco, it's a whole other issue. But at least Jimmy G, maybe not accurately, but he had the ability to throw the ball down the field. Tua can't. Tua cannot throw a deep ball. We've seen it. And now, there's the pressure to do that, plus has to learn a new system. He's got to learn a new system. I'm telling you, Miami will have a worse record than they did last year. 
And if you fired Brian Flores for missing the playoffs with lesser talent than what you brought in this offseason, then conversations need to be had. Because right now, Miami's not better than Buffalo. They're not better than New England. Most of it because they have a first-year head coach implementing a new system and having to start up a new culture. And mind you, reports have already come out that this was not who they were going after. Miami wanted to go get Sean Payton. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Miami gets an F because if you had kept Brian Flores and given him this talent, all of a sudden you could be you could be on the verge of something. Miami's going to miss the playoffs. Miami's going to miss the playoffs. Facts. Fact. Right now, I'm telling you. Adios playoffs. Bye-bye. Miami's going to go home early and they're going to be on the bench, on the beaches. Coach Smith, he's going to run his scheme to mask his flaws. I mean, that's fine. But I can tell you, when Shanahan was in Atlanta, Matt Ryan had to push the ball down the field. Play action passes down the field to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Tua can't do that. Tua can't do that. And every time Tua gets outside of the pocket, he seems to get hurt. Your backup is Bridgewater, who can throw the ball downfield, just won't do it. Miami's going to miss the playoffs. So that's the grade segment. That's the grade segment. Look, it's MLB, it's MLB season. This is another opportunity for me to remind you that the Atlanta Braves are the defending World Series champions. The Atlanta Braves are the defending World Series champions. Now, that being said, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. I think the two best divisions in baseball are the two Easts, the AL East and the National League East. And I'm not, again, I'm not just saying that because the Braves. But I'm going to go through each. I'm going to tell you who I think my division winners are um, <clears throat> in in every division. We're going we're gonna to start with the AL East. And I love the moves that the Toronto Blue Jays have made. I love the moves that the Toronto Blue Jays have made. I think their lineup was already dynamic. I think their issue last year was pitching. They had Ryu. They went out. They traded for Berrios. Then they signed Galsman. And they signed Kikuchi. I can't. I can never pronounce his name. But the guy from Seattle put up big numbers for Seattle. The uh, from the Japanese baseball league. They go out. They get Yemi Garcia, who I don't think is a, a dominant by any means, but he put up good numbers for both the Marlins and the Astros last year. They have a good closer. Their lineup. We know all about it. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Beast. Biggio, if he can ever put it all together, beast. They go out, they get Matt Chapman in a trade. Bo Bichette, beast. They go out, they trade for, or they sign Gurriel. George Springer's back. Can Hernandez stay healthy? We don't know. I like this team. I like this team a lot. I think that the pitching staff that they acquired is what is going to allow them to win the AL East. Now, 
that's nothing. I think the Yankees have a better lineup, but I think pitching is going to be their problem. And who's catching for them? They traded Gary Sanchez in the Donaldson trade. They traded Gary Sanchez in the Donaldson trade. I think Joey Gallo whined and complained enough and got the shift banned, so that helps him. He'll put up better numbers because the shift is no longer a thing. I think eventually they're going to have to figure something out with LeMahieu and Torres. Like One of them is going to get ang- not like um, you know, they're playing. Who's playing center field? Looks like right now it's going to be Aaron Hicks because you, you can't put Donaldson, or I'm sorry, you can't put Stanton in the outfield, but him DHing seems to make his offensive numbers better. Pitching rotation, I don't trust anybody from the Yankees outside of Garrett Cole. And, and that's just the way it is. That's why I said, again, and I still can't believe they that the Yankees let Trevor Story slip through their fingers and end up signing with the Red Sox. Who, by the way, I trust the Red Sox pitching rotation more than I trust the Yankees pitching rotation. Chris Sale, when he comes back, Evaldi had a good year last year. Michael Waka at the back end of that rotation, I think, is a good pickup. Penciling in Trevor Story with Deverts, Bogarts, Verdugo, J.D. Martinez. I think that lineup is comparable, not comparable, but it's right under the Yankees lineup. But again, I'm going to pick the Toronto Blue Jays to win the AL East. The AL Central, I don't think it's going to be close. I think the White Sox are going to, I mean, just absolutely run away with the AL Central. I love their starting rotation as well. Lance Lynn, Giolito, Keiko comes back, King Kopit come back and be a, a starter. They go and they uh, improve their bullpen. Graveman, Kelly, they keep Craig Kimbrell. Liam Hendricks is still there. Great lineup. Grandal Abreu go out and they get Josh Harrison, add Moncada. Anderson comes back. Eloy Jimenez, Lewis Roberts. This team, top to bottom, I love this team. Absolutely think this team is packed. And and I don't think anyone else in the AL Central is going to come close. I think the Twins, I don't know what the Twins are doing. I don't, I don't, I have no idea. You traded Berrios. You traded Donaldson. You went out and you signed your shortstop to immediately trade him to the Yankees. The guys you got back in the Donaldson trade, I don't think major impact doesn't happen. The the Royals, the Tigers are losing. The Guardians, you can't count them out. They always seem to be in it for a while. But the White Sox are going to run away with this division. It, I don't think it's going to be close. It would not it would not shock me if the White Sox win this division by 15-plus games. I just think the rest of the AL Central is that bad. AL West is going to be fun. Um, the Athletics are not going to win anything. They have spent no money and traded everyone, I do believe. The team to watch, as usual, if everyone stays healthy, Los Angeles Angels. They have Otani. They added Syndergaard. Can Syndergaard come back and be a fraction of himself? They go out, they get Tepra, serviceable. 
setup guy for Iglesias. Rendon, can he come back? Can he have a, a, the year he was supposed to have? Mike Trout, can Joe Adele be the, the guy we thought he was going to be? You still have Justin Upton on this team. You still have Shohei Otani. That's what's going to be interesting to see. Because now, with the, the pitcher can be your DH and can remain your DH, even if you take him out, the Shohei Otani rule, what happens with Justin Upton on this team? As it seems like his days of playing in the field are behind him. I mean, he, he can. I imagine you can put him in left. I imagine they're not going to put Otani in the field. If they do, it's probably going to be first base to limit the amount he has to throw. So what this team does with Justin Upton is going to be interesting. But I like that one-two punch that Otani and Syndergaard punch. But the Houston Astros are still in the West, the AL West. And that team has some guys. Verlander's coming back. McCullers will be back at some point. Valdez was a was great last year. Luis Garcia was good. We just all remember him for giving up the bomb to Soler. Euriquity, serviceable. They go out, they sign Hector Neris. They still have Phil Matone, Ryan Stanek. Great bullpen. Ryan Presley is still there. Catcher still a problem. Maldonado had some clutch hits in, in the uh, World Series, but he's not an offensive catcher. But that lineup is still great. Gurriel's good. Altuve's good. Bregman's good. Losing Correa and not replacing him is going to hurt. But Brantley's still there. McCormick's still there. Kyle Tucker's still there. Alvarez is still there. The Houston Astros are going to win this division. The question is, is how close is it going to be? Because can the Angels stay healthy? Can Mike Trout get... Can he, can he get to the playoffs? Can we see playoff Mike Trout? Can... I, it, just in a wild card game. Just in a wild card game. That's all I want to see. That's all I want to see. The Rangers went and they spent a bunch of money. But the Rangers aren't scaring anyone. I still am shocked that this is where Corey Seager chose to go. Their pitching rotation is not good. Their bullpen is not good. They're going to score a lot of runs. They're going to give up a lot of runs. Whereas the Astros, going to score a lot of runs, going to give up not so many. So the Astros are going to win this division. I want to pick the Angels. I want the Angels to be good. Mike from the OC, who listens to the podcast, he interacts with me on Twitter all the time. I want you to be able to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. I just don't trust him. Until I see it with my own eyes, I can't possibly trust it. Now we go to the National League. Let's start in the National League West. I don't want it to be true. I know last year that, you know, they, the Dodgers were pushed by the Giants. But I still, you, Gavin Lux is coming off the bench for this team. Max Muncie doesn't have a place to play. That's how good this team is. And Max Muncie plays everywhere. Their pitching rotation got Kershaw came back. Surely to God, they're not going to allow Trevor Bauer back, but they could. Urias, we saw what he can be. Walker Bueller, as he returned back to his old form. Oh, they lost some pieces in that bullpen. 
They lost some pieces in that bullpen. Dodgers fans will tell you that losing Kenley Jansen was not that big of a deal, but I think it will be. I think losing Joe Kelly will be a huge deal. But that lineup, Will Smith, Freddie Freeman, uh, Chris Taylor or Gavin Lux, maybe even McKinstry if they need him, Turner, uh, Justin Turner and Trey Turner, A.J. Pollock, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts. The team is loaded. The team is loaded. But it's really just those first three starters, and that's really all all that they got. I think the Giants got worse. I definitely think the Giants got worse in this offseason. They weren't able to get Bryant to come back. They did go sign Jock Peterson, who I, I wanted to come back to the Braves, but I understood it was very unlikely. They go out and they sign Carlos Rodon. I love that signing. They gave him a lot of money. Logan Webb, Carlos Rodon. The two Alexes at the back of their rotation, I think, is what will tell you how good the Giants are going to be. Alex Wood, Alex Cobb. I think that determines kind of how good this team will be. How good can the the back end of the rotation be? They're still going to go closer by committee, I believe. Joey Bart, Georgia Tech graduate. Filling those those Buster Posey shoes, finally. Brandon Belt's there. Uh, Listella. Who had a great year. Evan Longoria just fighting against Father Time. I just, there's not anybody in this lineup that scares you. I think the Giants are one of those teams that are just so hard to predict. The other team that's hard to predict is San Diego because you feel like last year they should have been better than they were. Now, the, the thing that I like about San Diego that teams that people seem to have forgotten was that Clevenger, they got Clevenger in a trade last year and he didn't play because he was hurt. Like, Clevenger gets added to a rotation that underperformed last year. Musgrove overperformed, but Darvish underperformed. Blake Snell definitely underperformed. But you get to add Mike Clevenger to that, and then a fifth starter, whether it's Martinez, maybe Drew Pomerant steps into that role. Offensively, this team can put up a lot of runs or they'll strike out every time at bat. They go and they get Luke Voigt. Will Myers is still there. Profar can play all over the place. Machado, Hosmer, Alfaro, Jorge Alfaro, Caratini in, in spurts. I mean, this this team can hit bombs. But will this starting rotation be what it's supposed to be? And will they stay healthy? Because mind you, I still haven't mentioned Fernando Tatis, who seems to be injured every other week. Every other week. Fernando Tatis got hurt walking today. Like, it just, it's, just look, every Tuesday, just look for the Fernando Tatis news to scroll across the bottom of your ESPN ticker. So I'm I'm gonna pick the Dodgers. But would it shock me if the Dodgers lose that division? No, because they lost it last year. And again, like I said in the grade segment, Dave Roberts put a lot of pressure on his team. NL Central. 
I, I really have no idea. Last year, the Brewers won it. Um, this one was hard to was kind of hard to pick. Um, with Flaherty coming back, you still got Wainwright as that veteran presence. Steven Matz, now that he's out of New York, can he can he be what he was supposed to be? Um, you got Goldschmidt, you got Arenado, Bader, you add Corey Dickerson. I, I like the I like the Cardinals. Um, I just this this is the division that's hard to pick for me. Um, I like their their pitching rotation. I think outside because the Brewers outside of Corbin Burns, I don't think anybody should should scare you. Um, now the addition of Andrew McCutcheon to the Brewers to play that DH role, I think will be big for the Brewers. I like Hunter Renfro much better than Jackie Bradley Jr. That was a trade that made no sense to me. Uh, Lorenzo Cain is still there. Speed, defense. Christian Yelich can still put up an MVP season. I like their bullpen. But I, I, I call me old. Maybe it's just the baseball purist in me, but I think pitching wins games. And I like the Cardinals pitching staff as a whole more than I like the Brewers pitching staff as a whole. Now, I do like the Brewers lineup better. But I think I, I think for if you're telling me I have to make a prediction right now, I would pick the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals with their pitching staff and, and a, a serviceable lineup. A serviceable lineup. I want the I want the Cubs to be good, but I just don't think they're going to be. I think they're still regretting that Jason Hayward contract. Now it now looks like Jason Hayward's gonna come off the bench for them. And there's no pitchers. So when is he actually gonna hit? I don't know. I'm pretty sure their outfield Rafael Ortega put up a monster season at the end of the year there. Like Rafael Ortega's gonna play, Hap's definitely gonna play. They just signed Suzuki. And Patrick Wisdom, you can't not play that guy. Clint Frazier could could get some some play. Like I, Hayward just hasn't amounted to much since he left Atlanta. But I, I I like the Cubs pitching rotation, but I don't like much else about the Cubs. I like Hendricks. I like Stroman. Give me, you know what? I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it right here on record. Give me the uh, give me the Cardinals to win the Central. That was definitely the toughest division for me to pick was the National League Central. National League East? No question. No question for me who's going to win the National League East. Now, I think it's going to be tough. My dad's in the comments. Does Cincinnati get over the hump? They were active during free agency. Cincinnati gave up a lot, like lost a lot of their best players. I I don't, we'll, we'll talk about Cincinnati. I I like Mike Miner as a former Brave, but outside of Luis Castillo, their their starters don't don't scare me. Their bullpen is not that good. Vado's getting older. Mustakas is is decent. Tommy Pham is older. They traded Suarez. I I don't 
I don't like the Reds. I think the Reds got worse this season. So I, I'm gonna again. I'm gonna stick. I, I'm going with the Cardinals. I think the best team in the National League is coming out of the NL East, and I think it is the defending world champion Atlanta Braves. Just wanted to say that one more time. Just one more time. Wanted to put out there, defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves. I don't know if you heard me earlier. The Braves rotation uh, between Charlie Morton, Max Fried, Ian Anderson. If Soroka comes back, and I'm going to put this out there right now, it would not shock me to see Atlanta go sign another starter. Johnny Cueto still out there? Who can he be your fourth or fifth starter and be serviceable? Yes. Here's the guy, and Braves fans uh, either love this guy or they hate him. But I, the guy I would love to see Atlanta go get, um, just to save the arms of the younger guys and to be more of a mentor. I would love to see Julio Tehran come back to Atlanta on a minor league deal. He can come in, be at the back end of that rotation, a fifth, maybe even sixth starter. Brian Snitker has talked about starting the year with a six-man rotation because of the number of days before Atlanta has an off day. A Julio Tehran type of guy who can mentor these younger guys. And then when he goes out there, he's going to eat innings. The man eats innings. Go look up Julio Tehran's stats. He always pitches innings. He gets a lot of innings, which I think could be great for Atlanta at the back end of the season when you're asking these younger guys to pitch longer than they have ever pitched. Whether it's guys that have played in the minors whose season ends starts later and ends earlier. And when they're in these high-pressure situations, a, a guy like, again, another guy, Johnny Cueto, makes sense. Cueto had a serviceable season last year. I, the reason I said Tehran, because I think Tehran could get, you could get Tehran on a minor league deal where I think he could mentor the younger guys both in Atlanta and at Gwinnett. So I would love to see Julio Tehran come back. It wouldn't shock me if it's Johnny Cueto. Cueto, again, like I said, serviceable year last year. Does the same thing. Pitches pitches innings. And every now and then will remind you of the Johnny Cueto of old. But the other signing that I that I think got lost in the, the Atlanta offseason was Colin McHugh, who... In the, the Astros asterisk year, was dominant. Starter, been pitching out of the bullpen, made a few starts for the, the Rays last year. Hard, high-velocity guy. I think he could be that sixth starter if you if you if your sixth if your sixth rotation is the bullpen day. McHugh can give you three to four innings. And and then that takes you into what is Atlanta's strength. I do not think there's a better bullpen in baseball than the Atlanta Braves bullpen. Because if McHugh can give you four, if McHugh can give you four innings on a bullpen day, right? That Then you're turning it over to A.J. Minter, Luke Jackson, Tyler Matzik, Will Smith, Kenley Jansen. Your starters legitimately only have to give you four good innings. Be in it for four innings. The interesting part about what the Braves are going to do is is this is, is there going to be a defined closer or are they going to go closer by committee and do it by matchup? I think probably the best pitcher in the Braves bullpen is Matzik, but we haven't seen him in that closer role. 
I think closing games will be a combination of Will Smith and Kenley Jansen. The le- one's left-handed, one's right-handed. I think it will ultimately end up being matchup-based. But the Braves' bullpen lights out good. Lights out good. There, I talked about the Dodgers having maybe the best lineup in baseball. The Braves it, are 1B. I don't think there's a huge drop-off between the Braves lineup and the Dodgers lineup. Looking at Darno, Matt Olson, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson. Swanson is probably the weak spot in that lineup, and the dude hit 20 bombs last year. And is a great defensive shortstop. They bring back Eddie Rosario with the money that they saved by going with Matt Olson versus Freddie Freeman. Ronald Acuna Jr. is probably going to be back. Um... Two weeks into the season, it wouldn't shock me if he starts the year as the D or starts off his season as a DH. They bring back Adam Duvall, who again, I think if it wasn't for I, I think had a World Series moment stolen from him with that grand slam if the Braves win that game. And then Marcelo Zuna is back. Marcelo Zuna's back. Gonna be interesting to see. You know, how crowds react to Marcelo Zuna. How Braves fans react to Marcelo Zuna. Everybody deserves a second chance. Um, We'll see. We'll see. But I I do think this Braves team um, is going to get better. I I think they're going to start the year better than they started last year. If you remember, the deadline, they were 500. If it wasn't for the New York Nets getting swept in a four-game series, Alex Anthropolis is a seller at the deadline, not a buyer. Not only that, Mike Soroka could potentially come back midway through the year. And again, if he can be a fraction of what he was. Now, don't get me wrong. I will be fair. I will be impartial. The National League East, I think, is the best division in baseball. A one-two punch of Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. There's not a better one-two in baseball. I love Freed Morton, but Scherzer and deGrom is the best one-two punch in baseball. Now, the the benefit that the Braves has is that they've always hit well again off of Max Scherzer. Carrasco as a three. Uh, Walker as a four. Their bullpen is decent. I don't trust Edwin Diaz. But their lineup is going to be... Adding, uh, getting Marte, getting Canna, Robinson Cano will be back. Still have Lindor. You still have Pete Alonso. Their lineup's going to be decent. Can the New York Mets just not New York Met things? Do you bring back Swanson in 2023 or go after Turner? My dad at Trey Turner? If he's talking about Trey Turner, Trey Turner signed an extension with the Dodgers. You get, and... and I think the Braves already have their next shortstop. Shoemake, Shoemake uh, is raking in spring training right now. Riley is going to be the one that they give the big money to. It's going to be interesting to see, though, because they also have to pay Freed around. The, I think Freed and Riley's contracts end at the same time. But we're talking about this year, Braves are winning. I think the Mets are the best competition. I, I don't like the Phillies' starting rotation. Again, I, I've, I've said this multiple times. I like the Phillies' lineup. I don't like their rotation. I I don't think Zach Wheeler is an ace. I think Aaron Nola is serviceable. Now, they do add Corey Knebel, um, Uris Familia, Alvarado. Their pull pin is good. Um, I like Real Muto. 
I like the signing of Castellanos actually coming from the Reds. Uh, Bryce Harbor, I like the signing of Kyle Schwarber. I think their lineup uh, is great, but they start, they're going to strike out a lot. I think the, the Phillies lineup will strike out a lot. I like their bullpen. Um, I, I just th I think the Mets are the Braves' biggest competition to win. I think the Braves are going to be the best team um, in the National League. I think they're going to end up with the one seed. As for the the Nats, Stra when does Strasburg come back? I don't know. They they signed Nelson Cruz, but outside of Nelson Cruz and Juan Soto, I'm not scared of this lineup. I'm not scared of this lineup. And outside of Strasburg, I don't see much with their pitching staff. I'm telling you, the best thing to see in Major League Baseball this year is going to be when uh, Tyler Matzik strikes out Freddie Freeman to go to the World Series. When Tyler Matzik strikes out Freddie Freeman to go to the World Series. I'm calling it right now. So that's my, my regular season preview. I'm picking the Braves to repeat as World Series champions. I just don't know who they're going to beat yet. And as we get further into the season, I, I'll have a better idea for you. Last two, last, last two segments here. Your homework. Someone explain to me why other schools don't do what Ohio State just did. Like, Bama didn't do this. I don't believe. C.J. Stroud was throwing to the wide receivers at the Ohio State Pro Day. Essentially, this is going to be like, it's like a, a pro, a CJ Stroud next year will get a second pro day. Like scouts got to see him throw to wide receivers this year. And then next year when he declares for the draft, they'll get to see him throw to wide receivers again. It was a very interesting thing to see CJ Stroud out there instead of just another quarterback that they brought in or, or a former pro quarterback in there to throw to these wide receivers. No, it was CJ Stroud. Uh, from what I've read, Pro scouts were very impressed with the throws he made. It's not it's not eligible for the draft. But it was another opportunity for him to go out here and throw some footballs to some probably Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to be taken in the first round. Interesting uh, opportunity there. Interesting indeed. Look, my 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 final segment. You got detention. And, and this goes to the NCAA uh, marketing department or, or whoever's in charge of marketing. Look, and I was completely wrong. Let me point out, uh, if you go back and you listen, I didn't think Michigan was going to make the tournament. I definitely thought they weren't going to make the tournament after Jawan Howard got suspended for the remainder of the regular season. But they make the tournament. But here's why the NCAA men's marketing department gets it, gets detention. You had no problem showing Jawan Howard and his altercation every other time I turned on any major news sports network. It was Jawan Howard constantly. We talked about Jawan Howard and his altercation for a week, what seemed like 24 hours straight. This just Marcelo Zuna just hit a 3-1 bomb. I know it's spring training, but that ball went a long way. <laughs> um... But when Jawan Howard took the time to embrace players after his team had eliminated them from the tournament, we only saw that once. 
Now, I understand that the timing was different because right now you're in March Madness and you have lots of clips to show and all of these upsets and all of that. But we had no problem in the media talking about how bad of a guy Jawan Howard was and look at what he did and look at his behavior and da-da-da-da when it's negative. But when he does something positive, it was in the news for 32 seconds. If you blinked twice, you missed it. We were on to the next story. I got a problem with that. I, I take issue with that. So, marketing department, y'all got detention. Look, that's all I got. 43rd episode of Sports School here. It's been, it's, it's, it keeps going. You know, I, all the listeners, all the guys that reach out to me, I love it. I appreciate it. I'm going to um, start trying to get these out on YouTube. So, if you got a YouTube, go subscribe, Sports School Podcast. This will be the first episode that's on there. Hopefully, if I can make that work. Um, shout out, sponsors, Effortless Entertainment. Fixed all the audio issues. If you are watching, y'all can see microphone right here. They fixed all my audio issues. They hooked me up. Effortless Entertainment. They also do weddings and they DJ and stuff. Coach Smith is a DJ as well. He's always in the comments section. If you need a DJ, reach out to him. Takar Realty. So... Sunset Beach, right there next to Calabash, Seafood Capital of the World. We got an Airbnb uh, there for you. Go reach out to them on Airbnb or VRBO. Also, a Myrtle Beach condo is now there. Uh, so look out. Uh, look for them on Airbnb, VRBO. To Car Realties, always reaching out. And then shout out Marlon versus Marlon Podcast. Mentors, guys I can reach out to, get answers, all of that. Marlon constantly in the comments. Big time Chargers fan. He's excited about the season. We're going to talk NFL. I'll probably have him on when we do that. But shout out to them. They're the mentors. They're the reason this this going this is going. The reason this this happens. So shout out to those guys. I appreciate all of you that listen. Uh, like I said, when I get it going on YouTube, please like, subscribe, share it with your friends. Um, share this video with your friends. Let's get the listeners up. If you want to be on the show, reach out to me. I will gladly debate, argue with you, and tell you why you're wrong. Or maybe agree with you. I don't know. If you agree with my points, you can always come on and tell me how wonderful my my points were as well. I always take that. I love that sort of praise. Um, but again, but ser- in all serious note, thank you guys for listening at all times. Uh, and I will catch y'all later. I'm out.